My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. Okay, as a gay man, you always say, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. What is it you want to be? It takes on all sorts of different facets of where you want to go and do in your life, but sometimes the thing we most want to be is the thing that we struggle the most. Because, hey, as gay men, we've been told you can't be that, you shouldn't be that, oh my gosh, you're gay, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, screw that. But it makes it really hard to be authentically ourselves because we've been put into these boxes of this is how little gay boy who becomes a gay man is supposed to show up in the world. And that's what we're talking about today is what does it look like to be authentically yourself? I have a guest who... He calls himself the authenticity activist, which I love, love, love. He does amazing work empowering people through personal power and things such as that. But he really does focus on authenticity with gay men. In fact, he has the podcast, The Authentic Gay Man Podcast. And Coach Maddox is here to join us. And we're going to just talk about you bitches being authentic all day long. So welcome to the podcast, Coach Maddox. So excited to have you here, buddy. I'm glad to be here. I've been really looking forward to this. Always wow. jump at an opportunity to talk about authenticity. So what does that mean to you? Like, what does authenticity mean to you in your own personal world? Let's just dive right in. You know, I think for me, it really is about dropping the masks. I think that we as people in general, but also certainly as GBTQ men, because we've gotten so many messages that we're wrong, that we're bad, that we're not okay, um, we have layers of masks that yep. we wear. And for me, my process really has been about one at a time pulling those masks away to reveal you know, who I am on the inside, who I am in my core. And I think this has been a lifelong process but I think it's been a much more intentional and intense process in the last three years mm -hmm. when I begin to develop this, this platform and realize that, you know, if I was going to preach and teach that I had to walk the walk. Yeah. Well, and it's I love quite that you, a, quite a journey. I love that you use the word intentional and intense, because one of the things that I found, too, as I started to build my practice and started going, OK, well, what is it? At first, I wasn't super intentional, like, well, I just know I'm going to help guys come out of the closet. All the, the. I'm like, well, that's great. But each step needed to be really intentional because it's like, well, I could give advice and all this sort of stuff, but that's not really what I wanted to be as a coach. I wanted to help people find their own stuff. And that's why I asked the question right out the gate. What does authenticity mean for you? Because I think intentionally for all of us, if we have an intentional reason of how we define what authenticity means, it eliminates what other people think we should authentically be. We start diving deep into, well, this is what authenticity looks like for me. And it's not being selfish. It's not egomaniac. It's like, Here's how I authentically want to show up as me, not based on other people's input. I mean, we get other people's input. I get that. But 
So oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things that's been fascinating to me is on my podcast, every episode starts with me asking my guest how they define or what it mm-hmm. means to them to be an authentic gay man. And the answers have been all over the map. Yeah. They've all been different, yet they've all been similar and they've all been right. There hasn't been a response yet that I didn't go, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's been phenomenal. I, I I continue to to ask that question because at one point I went, wow, you've gotten such fabulous answers here. This could this in and of itself could perhaps be a book at some point in time. Right. Right. And I think it has certainly given me a broader perspective as I've listened to other people's responses. Well, and the thing is, is as gay men, we've been told for so long, oh, no, you can't be this. I mean, for most of us, our coming out journey was like, oh, really? You can't be that. You shouldn't be that. You should be this kind of boy. You should be masculine and strong and da-da-da. You know, the list goes on. But when I've asked people what authenticity means to them, like you, I get a lot of different answers. And there isn't one that's wrong because it's what's authenticity to them. Yes, we have these projections of what we think authenticity is to others. And I catch myself being in that judgmental state of something like, oh, they're so inauthentic. Well, maybe they're authentic in their own way to them. It's not how I define it. Okay, so I have to accept that. And though at times it's really hard to accept that like they're so fake but um it it is definitely something that an individual has to define for themselves as are many things you know we have to define what integrity means for us we have to honesty intimacy uh we can't i don't think ever apply it's always a value to look it up in the dictionary to see Mm -hmm. what the dictionary definition is but that's rarely our personal truth right well, and and it's sometimes it's this contrived personal truth, too. It's like, OK, well, OK, I defined it this way. And I've seen in myself like I came out late in life. And, and so 1999 is when I came out and the authentic piece of who I was then to who I am now. It's changed dramatically. There's still core essence essences of that. But how I now define authenticity is completely pretty much a completely different thing. And for me, it's being unapologetically who I am. I don't, I will not apologize in most cases for who I am and how I show up in the world. I will apologize when I fuck up. <laughs> that's a given. Sometimes that's it's hard to swallow. Yeah. That's a different thing. But I will not apologize for saying, you know, I enjoy this or this is how I view my world. I don't, I won't apologize for that. Now, where it gets tricky is then I always say, I want people to be unapologetically who they are. And I've been challenged on that. They're like, so you're going to want, you want a right wing political person to be uh, unapologetically who they are. No, that's not what I say. I say, I want people to be unapologetically who they are, provided it doesn't hurt other people. That's, there's a difference there. Now, granted, they can go be authentically that. Where I draw the line and where my boundary comes up is when you're doing something that actually hurts somebody else, I think you need to check your authenticity. And of course, I get into lots of arguments over that. I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you. This is my perspective of it. But it's it's interesting thing. And most of us hold back. I mean, I know in your work, you work with people a lot on this. 
they hold back because this authentic piece is coming from a, you know, a kernel of, well, this is who you're supposed to be. This is who you're supposed to be. So how do yes. you help people see that other side of finding their own truth and their authenticity? Well, you know, I've come to realize that what, what I believe universally for GBTQ men is because of all we've experienced and, and the messages that we've received growing up, we have gone to great lengths to be invisible. We, um, we, we don't know what it really is like to be seen and to be heard. And I think that part of that definition for me of authenticity is allowing yourself to be seen and heard with the caveat of for who you really are. Mm-hmm. And and that's really challenging for men. It was really challenging for me. Certainly, I've been able to pull the masks off and be that vulnerable self around my straight friends most of my life. My biggest challenge was taking the masks off and being that authentic self, being seen by other gay men. That was the thing that felt absolutely mm-hmm. hands down the most unsafe thing that i could do so let's dive into that a little bit so what was the mask that had to come down for you to be seen by other gay men i think i was very aloof i mm-hmm. think that i probably presented as um above it all mm. Mm-hmm. I think that I had um, some real inferiority stuff going on. Yep. And what we normally do when we're in that inferiority is that we project superiority mm-hmm. to compensate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think probably if I had to guess, most men probably thought I was kind of looking down my nose at them as the old saying goes, yep. which wasn't really the case at all. And if it was, it was from that place of insecurity. Um, I, I had, I came out 42 years ago. Mm-hmm. And in that first year of being out, I had right back to back really negative experiences with gay men where I was disrespected, taken advantage of, disregarded, kind of used and abused. I was naive at that point in my life. And after about a year of it, I just kind of backed out and I made this decision that gay men were not safe. Hmm. And I've lived for the better part of four decades from that story that I told myself. And in that lack of safety, I just couldn't, I couldn't let you see who I was. So there was no authenticity when I was in a, in, in a, a place where there were other gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was always the mask. It's interesting as you were sharing that, because what I was starting to do was like, well, there's this mask, here's this mask, here's this mask. There was a, the mask of aloofness. There was the mask of, I, I don't feel safe. You know, there was a mask of not letting people see the real me. And I love that you're using this analogy of the masks because I know for me, one of the biggest masks I had to pull off, which is so such bullshit that I even had to pull it off, was the the admitting that I was a guy who'd been married to a woman and had two biological children. Because in one evening, one guy 
said to me once when I was at a bar and we were having a great time and we were flirting and I'm like, Oh, this guy, you know, he's cute, all that sort of stuff. And this was very, very new into me being out. And I said, well, I got to get going. Well, where are you going? I said, I got to get home. I got a, uh, I've got a babysitter for my kids. Oh, you're a breeder, man. That hit me. Like, I'm like, so there was a shame that I'm like, okay, well don't talk about being a, a dad. Don't talk about being a dad, which was in such direct conflict with what was starting to happen in our community where more gay men were starting to say, I want to be a parent. Right. And so I'm suddenly in this weird space in my own head, but that was one of the biggest masks I had to drop, you know, was like, okay, I just need to be proud. I mean, I love my kids and never quit loving them, but suddenly I was in this weird space in our community. Like, well, don't say that. You're never going to get a man. You're never going to get laid. You're never, you're never going to have any fun if they know you're a dad. I mean, I've even had a couple of people say the worst stuff, like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever. I don't even remember what the terminology is, but it's like, I, I'm not a golden gay or something like that. I don't know, something along those lines. Yes, my penis has been in a pussy, guys. Okay. It's happened. It, and, you know, whatever. But I realized that's well, I mean, on let's them. Face that's, it, a, that's a strike against you in our community. You oh, know, gosh, it's yes. like, most men don't want to date or be involved with a, a man that has kids because they're not going to be your number one priority. Your kids right. are. Right. And they, and again, I attribute that a lot to a mask that those guys are wearing. Like I have to be the priority. I have to be your complete focus. I'm like, okay, that's you. Good luck being in a solid relationship because if you have to be a hundred percent, your partner's attention, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have a hard time being in a healthy relationship. You have to realize it's a give and a take and a give and a take. And all these things, again, Maddox, I'm so glad you <laughs> brought this up. They're all masks. They're all masks yeah, that we have masks. to is learn to drop or manage in different ways. You know? you know, if you noticed, my first thing was when I spoke of this, I used the word layers of masks. Yes. It's rarely is it a single mask. It's, no. Most of the time, if we're if we got the mask thing going on, we're wearing multiple and it gets they get heavy and it gets hot behind all that. Well, and it gets confusing, you know, I, the whole thing about what well, should I say? I'm a dad. Should I not say I'm a dad? But I, I, I love that I'm a dad. I love being a father. I always have loved being a dad. But, well, is somebody going to be injured? I mean, look at all the layers just in that one little story. And I hardly touched on everything, you know? It's like, well, somebody going to challenge me to, I mean, this was always my concern. You hit the nail on the head. Is somebody going to challenge me that I'm not making them my priority? And it wasn't easy. When I met my husband, it wasn't easy. But the one thing that he will tell you, if he was on this podcast right now, he goes, the one thing that, not the only thing, but one of the things that attracted him to me was that I was a dad and I had kids. So I was a guy who was responsible. I was a guy who had something going for him other than just his own, you know, world. And that he wanted to, you know, he wanted to have the experience of fatherhood in some way, shape or form. But there's all the layers right there. You see all these different layers. And sometimes I think when we get in our masks, we think, well, let's just get rid of this mask. It's not that easy. There's too many layers within every mask that we we carry. You're very right. It's it's not that easy. It, it's a definite process. There's no way they come off all at once, and um, and it's a tough process. Mm -hmm. You know, they to take off the mask means that you've not only got to be authentic, but you've got to step into your vulnerability. 
and we have been given such negative and um downright like wrong messages about vulnerability you know the the, the most common misconception is that it's a weakness that vulnerability right. is a weakness no yep. truthfully vulnerability is a strength but you have to be strong enough to pick that sword up and wield it yep well and see it as a powerful thing because if you can wield that strength against that vulnerability once then you can do it again and again i think vulnerability to me is one of the most beautiful things that any person but especially gay men can bring to their equation of life if you can let somebody see you vulnerable you are truly letting somebody see you um, most of the people in my life at this point have heard me say vulnerability is my superpower. Mm-hmm. Once I really learned what it could do for me, you know, one of the things I say is when we step into our vulnerability, it builds bridges, um, opens doors and clears pathways in a manner that nothing else can. Mm. And I, I believe, and I'm having these experiences now because I've been really, really intensely and intentionally practicing the authenticity and the vulnerability for about three or three and a half years. And in that time, I've drawn an incredible group of men to me for friendships. And I've recently attracted a man that I'm spending quality time with now. And we established that vulnerability the first time we met. You know, it's interesting. I was um, recently, I was driving home from the airport earlier in the week. And um, had about an hour and a half drive. And I usually when it's just me solo in the car, then I'll pop on podcasts. And I was, I happened to be listening to um, one of Oprah's Super Soul podcasts. And she was talking to um, a couple of different people. But um, she was talking to James Cameron's wife. I can't think of her name right off the bat. But they were talking about Avatar And the key message that Oprah picked up from that movie was, I see you. And it it did. It became became a huge, you know, pop culture catchphrase. And when I have a gay man come to me to do coaching, whatever it might be, but it always comes up at some point. (laughs) I'm going to come work with you on my career. Well, but you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm also trying to get out there and be social, or I really would like to find a guy. And it never fails when we get to talking about relationships. The question always comes up, what's the best way to find a a good relationship? And I always say, let them see you. Let them see the real you. Absolutely. Because if if you don't let people see the real you, then they're seeing some fake persona of who you think it is. It's so interesting too, Maddox, because I coach, um, most people who listen to this podcast know that I coach professional speakers as well. It's so interesting to watch so many of them in that program. They come in, they're excited to be a professional speaker. They can't wait to be on stage and have impact and everything. And then the first time I listen to them run through what part of their talk, I'm like, who the fuck is this? This is not the person I've been coaching. Who are you? Well, this is, this is who I am when I speak. I'm like, I don't know who you are. Now, granted, an audience isn't going to know anything different, but I'm like, if you're not letting your truest self show up as a speaker... And having that essence and that vulnerability and you don't have to, and I know, cause I did the same thing. I had this like speaker persona that I, and I remember like I did a talk. I was just sharing this with one of my students yesterday 
I did a talk and a friend of mine was in the audience. And so I went to, and he's one of those friends that will tell you the truth. So I knew I was going to ask him, so what did you think? And I said, so what did you think? He goes, well, you were good, but I don't know who the fuck was up there on that stage. He goes, I did not recognize that Rick whatsoever. I have never seen that side of you. I said, well, that's what I do when I speak. He goes, then you need to quit. Because he goes, you'll get a couple of gigs. But he goes, when I've seen you just do your thing and you just talk and you get up and you do your stories and you're not like, oh, I'm doing a professional speaking thing. He goes, you're amazing. You were good. But I didn't know who you were. Well, and, and I think even people that don't have never spoken to us before on some level, they sense that we're wearing a mask. They may not be able right. to like consciously call it out, but they yeah. they know when we're not being real because we just, you know, you talked about I see you. I have come to believe that we human beings, we have an innate need to be seen. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if we have gone through what so many of us have as gay men, we 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 want to be seen, we crave it, and it scares the shit out of us all at the same yep. time. Yep. It's scary. I, I think the same is true of intimacy. We crave emotional intimacy, and intimacy is about being seen by another, truly seen, and it scares the shit out of us. And so many men, the fear overrides the the the, the, the heart's yearning for mm -hmm. that intimacy. I know for several decades i allowed the fear to override my desire and my yearning mm -hmm. to experience emotional intimacy i would avoid it i was emotionally unavailable and didn't even know it it's interesting that you bring that up because i was working with a client just this past week who he's really trying to get out in the dating world and he's trying to move from just grinder scruff hookup you know, all this into like, I want real dates. And so he went out on a couple of dates with a guy and he was like, so excited. Like, it's going really, really well. I'm like, cool. He goes, but then last week we finally decided to go, you know, take it to the bedroom. I'm like, well, okay. You've been on a couple of dates. What's wrong with that? Did that make you feel uncomfortable? He goes, well, I'm trying not to do that so much. I'm like, then you did it. So what's wrong? He goes, well, it was really kind of tough. I'm like, okay, can we get to the punchline here, man? He goes, we were in the bedroom and the guy said, could we turn a light on? And I'm kind of like, why? We're just having sex. He goes, because I really want to see you. He goes, I didn't know what to do with that. I'm like, I, what you want to do with that, man, is embrace that. Fucking rejoice is what you want to do with that. Yes, because that's saying there's the emotional intimacy that comes. Any of us can hook up. Let's just be real. I mean, if you want to get laid, just go get laid. I mean, you can find somebody if you just want to get your rocks off, go get it off. But when somebody says, can we turn the light on? Because I really want to be able to see you. That to me, I mean, when he said it, I got goosebumps because I'm like, you're missing something really beautiful here. Now, that also means, and I knew my client well enough, that that was making him feel very vulnerable because he has some body image issues, which he has... It's always so interesting. The ones who shouldn't have any, you know, again, here's my judge coming up. Why do you have body issue image, man? I'd love to have a body that looks like yours, right? But I didn't say that because I'm like, I knew that it's his vulnerability because his vulnerability, Maddox, it isn't that he doesn't see himself as a good looking guy. 
his vulnerability is that's all people want me for. All people want is my great body. I was going to say, I think that the people that tend to have the worst body issues are the ones that tend to have the best bodies. Right. And it probably is exactly what you just said. They all of their life, they've been treated like a piece of meat. People don't mm. see them for who they really are. People see them for what they look like. And that can be, you know, everybody kind of thinks that beautiful people have it made. No, not so much. Not so much. Beautiful people get treated all kinds of weird ways just because they're beautiful. Isn't that a sad commentary, though? It is. But I, I, mean, I think I, it's I, fascinating I, that people just assume that pretty people right. have it made in the shade. They, they don't. They don't. Yes, but think about how our culture, and this is such a beautiful thing to bring into this authenticity conversation. Our culture has said, this is what makes you something. You're beautiful. You have the greatest body. You have this money. You have, you know, you're this status. Well, then how many people do we watch that do all that? And they're absolutely fucking miserable because that's all people see them for. That's all they see people for, you know? And what I'm going to say is a little judgy here. I'm not, I've never, I've never watched the Kardashians. I have no use for the Kardashians because all I see is it's all about who they're projected to be. I've never seen one of them that I go, is that really authentically you? Maybe it is. Maybe that's who they are. But I think this is what's happened in our culture is we say, here's the standard. But does that mean we just want to relate to the pretend standard of what makes you a beautiful person? Well, and social media has really put that over the top. You know, oh, everybody's gosh, yes. living their, their perfect life on social media and, um, Wow. We've got, well, I see myself do it. I see myself do it all the time, Maddox. I mean, I have, I literally have a marketing calendar of, okay, here's this, what I'm going to talk about on this day on Instagram and this day. And I'm like, I don't ever get half of it done because I I start judging like, but is that going to be good enough? But then what happens is when I just like on the spur of the moment, like, you know what? I want to record this. There's no like, re- I just like start doing it. And again, I'm not going for the likes and everything. It's like, I want to share something. Here's something I thought of, you know, those get the most, most views, most down, all of that. I mean, I have recorded, like I reported a, a podcast not long ago where it's like, I really don't know what I'm going to talk about. And in the spur of the moment, I like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. There was no pre-prep, no nothing. And I'm like, that felt really good. And immediately when it came out to my avid listeners that always like comment on everything, they're like, oh my gosh, that was one of the best podcasts you've ever done. We could just tell you it was you just saying, most of the time they know it's just me saying whatever I want to say. But they're like, you really came from that interesting space with that your vulnerability showed up and you said some stuff that really got to them. And it got me thinking about why don't we all do that more? Why don't we just let people truly see us? It is so liberating to do that. I've I have gotten it down now where it's it's getting actually fairly easy. Mm-hmm. But what I have determined is the more I lean into that and just be me, the more it attracts precisely the people that I want to attract. The right. types of people I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- people that are that like me for me. You know, right. and and people that are showing up um, 
I mean, let's face it, authenticity begets authenticity. The more yeah. I lean into my authenticity, the more authentic the people are showing up in my life. And it's been a game changer. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and the other thing too is, I agree, it attracts those people. Like it's, it's um, I can't remember the name of the book, but um, like the five people that you surround yourself with, it's that same concept. The people you surround yourself with is exactly how you're going to present yourself in the world. But those people also reflect what you draw to you. And many of us miss this. I mean, there's guys that I've chatted with and friends and stuff. And I listen to them talk about, well, I just can't seem um, to find, you know, people to bring into my world. Well, who are you trying to bring into your world? What are you putting out there? You know, those are the things that a lot of people miss that like how you put yourself out there is exactly what's going to, you know, attract yourself to. And um, Jim Rohn, that's the guy I was trying to think of. He says, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Yes. So if you're spending the most time with people who are really fake and inauthentic, then that's what you're putting into the world yourself. But the moment you start putting, you've used, talked about it a lot through this podcast, the more you give yourself that permission to be open and vulnerable and honest and authentic, you're pulling those kind of people into your world. Ooh, like a moth to flame. Mm -hmm. And the vulnerability and authentic authenticity also serve as polarizers. Mm. And, and that's a beautiful thing. I mean, sometimes we don't think of that polarization being a good thing, but I do in this instance, because it will send the wrong people running in the opposite direction mm -hmm. in a heartbeat. The more you get real, it sends the not so real people screaming and running. And that's a beautiful thing because it just makes more room for those that will show up authentically and vulnerably. What's been you the hardest, I, what's been the hardest thing for you to show up authentically? The hardest thing. I think probably, I think I really struggled with the whole conversation around masculinity. I got a lot of messages growing up that I was not masculine and I internalized that. And so as an adult for my entire adult life, any time the word masculine came up, I shied away. I got really, I'd shut down. I got really uncomfortable. I didn't want to talk about it. I couldn't relate. I didn't see myself as a masculine man. And there was a certain amount of embarrassment and shame about that. And then about three years ago, I, as we were talking about earlier in this episode, I sat down to define masculinity for myself, to ground myself on the concept of masculinity. And what poured out of me, it was like I was channeling from a higher place. It came out like just rolled out of me onto paper. It was a single page long. And when I read back what I had written, this sense of peace and calm came over me. And in that moment, I was liberated from all of my pain and suffering around the term or concept of masculinity. And I was at that point just able to just show up with no care about whether people saw me as masculine or feminine or somewhere in between. Um, 
because I really realized that the sweet spot for me is in the integration of the two. I don't want to have to pick one or the other. I, I, I want it all. And I want, and I, and I realize that I can call on whichever energy is needed in any given situation. And that's a beautiful that, thing when we get to that discernment where we can say, well, this part of this works for me and this part of this works for me. And this, you know, one of the things that I always struggled with, with being my authentic self, and I know exactly where it came from. First of all, people telling me, no, you can't be that. But I started hiding so much of myself that all I ever heard from people was, you never smile. You never smile. And I'd always like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you never smile. Well, it's hard to smile when people are telling you, you can't be that. You shouldn't be that. It's hard to like see that until I realize, okay, I'm going to define what smiling looks like for me. And smiling looks like to me, like being just really bold and sassy and like, you know, having like letting my humorous side, you know, and I crack people up all the time. I, it's interesting to see what happens when I like, okay, this is just who I am. It's taken me a long time to get here. Like even when I came out in 1999, I, I came out when I was in, in, in college and got quote, I say, got pushed back in the closet, but that's when the hiding and the not smiling and not letting anybody, because I had to be careful. Don't let them really see what's going on underneath. And then that's when all the cheating and everything happened in my marriage too. And when I finally realized, no, I'm not letting my real self shine through. And the that's the reason I don't smile. That's the, because it, oh, if I smile, Exactly. Might, you know, who, you, who, who can, who can smile when they're repressing who they are? When we're repressed, we're not going to have a tendency to smile. It, it sucks to be repressed, whether it's by the hands of another or by our own hands. It's oftentimes by our own hands. So that's the thing. Yes, it is. And not wanting to, you know, it's easy to blame everybody else. I know I'm raising my hands, guys. You can't see it. But at some point, you got to quit blaming everybody else for where you are. And, now, there's another thing I've taken. We have to there's... take responsibility. For exactly. Our yeah, exactly. You know, and sometimes it, you can put the blame, but you can also then say, and here's where I'm taking responsibility. Yeah, you there's know? there's no freedom in, in uh, victimhood. There's no no freedom whatsoever in victim. And there's no power in victimhood. In order to, you asked me earlier about, you know, the whole conversation of personal power. The only way we can have our personal power is we have to take responsibility for our life and our experiences. But it's very hard for many of us because we've been like, well, if I took, if I took this and made it my, you know, part of my own experience, then somebody's going to tell me you can't do that. You can't do that. So I think it's this interesting fine line, especially as gay men, that gay bisexual men for sure, that... It's so interesting to see, well, well, I'd like to take responsibility, but as soon as I do that, somebody tells me you can't, you shouldn't be that. My message to anybody listening to this is you can take responsibility, but part of that responsibility is to own, you're going to do this. You get to choose to do this. Yeah, fuck you. You, get... you can't tell me what I can or can't right. do. You know, right. if I'm going to take responsibility and step into who I really am, then I, I, I can't listen to people like that. Well, and gaslighting and all this stuff has become such a core essence of our society. I mean, I recently just went through this experience with somebody, somebody very close to me. And I was told flat out that my feelings were invalid and that my perception of blaming them for all this, I'm like, well, 
actually, I didn't blame you. I said, you did this. And I don't understand why you do this when you know that hurts me. Flat out told me I didn't have a right to have those feelings and that I need to just get over and quit blaming them for everything. I'm like, okay, I will. Then we will not be communicating from here forward. Well, now you're being a jerk. I'm like, I'm not being a jerk. I'm protecting myself. I'm being authentically who I am and saying this no longer fits for me to have you in my world. Pretty simple for me. Any Anybody that tells you your feelings are not valid is a toxic person. Oh, they're very toxic. Yep. Yep. And I, I try to do this and I just can't. And I finally said, with this particular people, I'm like, I've tried this. And every time I try and I, things go good and then suddenly it implodes. I'm tired of imploding. I'm, I, I have better things to do and it hurts because they're very people very close to me. But I believe in putting the boundaries up too. And I think part of being authentic is to know how to put powerful boundaries up so that your authenticity gets to shine through. And if you don't have a boundary up to prevent somebody from taking your authenticity down or trying to steal that away from you, hate to say it, boys, that's on you too. Yes, you can't be is. authentic and not put boundaries up around that. That's that's that lack of responsibility, taking responsibility. We were just talking about you're, you're exactly right. Authenticity is a broad topic and it encompasses a lot. It encompasses setting boundaries and confronting when necessary and co- communication skills. Um, it's a big topic. It's so what's the thing you, mo- what's the thing you most enjoy as we kind of wrap up, enjoy about helping people truly step into their authenticity. What's one of the joys you get from that? I think the biggest joy is is happens when when that moment, when that flash moment happens and they have that breakthrough and they experience the power of that authenticity and vulnerability and what it can do in every area of their lives. I I've come to realize that even our ability to manifest is very connected to our authenticity. It's hard to manifest when you're not an authentic person. The minute you step into that realness, manifestation becomes much easier because just people around you, the more real you get, the more drawn to you they are, and then the more willing they are to support you, to share resources, to uh, give to your cause, whatever that is, uh, big role in manifestation. It's all, all of this is interwoven like, okay, no listeners can't see me, but it's like a tapestry where the threads are yep. all woven together and to have a pretty and strong tapestry, you got to have all of the threads and they got to all be going in the right direction and woven together properly. So it's a big topic with a lot of variables that go into it. Well, and I think this is a piece of, for all of us as humans, but especially for our, you know, GB2 men, GBT men, is this is complex stuff. And if you're looking for the quick hit fix, I hate to share with you, it's not going to be a quick hit fix. This is a journey. And I'm not, I, I know Maddox and I, neither one are saying, oh, we're perfect at this. Every day is another day of like, I mean, it's, I, I've been up at this now for five, six hours today. You've been up at it as, as more. 
there isn't one thing that hasn't happened today where there isn't been a little bit of test of this. Do I want to be this? Do I, how do I want to show up? Precisely. One of, one of my favorite questions to constantly ask myself, especially when I, like I had a meeting this morning where I, I had kind of put some pretty aggressive stuff out uh, about some work stuff. And I knew it was going to come up in this meeting. But going into that meeting, the first question I asked myself before I even got onto the Zoom call, how do you want to show up in this? How do you want to show up in this room? So that I went into it like in my power, not being a jerk. How do I want to show up? And it makes a lot of difference. Now, can I channel that every time? Not always. Sometimes you're in the moment. But one of the things I've learned in the moment, and maybe it's because I've done a little bit of work in a, a new coaching program. Even if all I do is take a deep breath, it breaks the pattern. It breaks the react versus response pattern. And to me, when you're really authentic, one of the things that you master is the react versus respond. Yes. Because you're, you can be so much more authentic when you respond and not react. I agree. And I, and I think one of the, the wisdom bombs that I want to drop, and, and granted, I, this is not the gospel. I don't know it all. This this is what I believe. This is my truth. But I encourage anybody listening to try this on. And and we, we live in a world where we tend to compartmentalize. We have one way that we're around our spouse. We have another way that we're around our friends. We have another way that we're around our coworkers in our work environment. Maybe we have even another way that we are when we're with our family of origin. And we compartmentalize. We put all this in boxes. And it's my personal belief and experience that true authenticity is when you can show up with no compartmentalization in every area and aspect of your life the same. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good, a good way to bring us full circle. So Maddox, if somebody wanted to learn more about you or be in touch with you first, the podcast that you have is the authentic gay man podcast.com all awesome. one word, the authentic gay man podcast.com. And I highly encourage everybody to look at that. And then if you want to, they want to see your website, where would they find that? They can find me at coachmaddox.com or they can follow me on Facebook slash the authentic gay man the, cool. the word podcast is not on that facebook awesome. slash the authentic gay man very cool well i'm so glad we crossed paths and we got to meet each other and thank you for sharing yourself with our our guys Absolutely. they are our guys i mean the, what i love about when i find someone like you and other gay coaches you know we both belong to the gay coaches alliance is yes we're all quote competitors somewhat to speak but i never see it that way we're all serving we're all serving. We all serve in different ways. And I love bringing these sort of conversations to the forefront because some people are going to resonate with some coach and others are going to resonate with others. And you focus on authenticity. I focus on something completely different, but to be able to share and bring insight to here's another way to really thrive as an authentic gay man. I'm so grateful that we got to do this, man. So really appreciate Thank you, you, Rick. I'm really grateful too, um, because I, I personally don't even put any energy into the the concept of of competition. Mm -hmm. I believe that there is enough out there for all of us, and I look at what we're doing as a collaboration, not a competition. 
one of my other friends has always said, the beautiful thing about gay coaches is they're a collective. And I love that. When he said I love that, that like, too. I love that. So, well, thank you again, Maddox. So appreciate you, man. It's been a pleasure and an honor. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.